Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to that Chelsea podcast, episode 60, St. Reese James's Park. Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast. I'm again without Jack. He is in Newcastle, either on the way back or just yeah, having the time of his life out there in Newcastle. I haven't spoken to him since after the game, but hopefully he is alive and well and doing good. But joining me on the podcast today, it's only taken me 60 episodes to get him on. He is one of the voices of Chelsea Twitter. He is someone you will see quite often on your timeline. He's a man who loves spreading positivity, talking about Chelsea Football Club. It's the one and only Patrick Larson. Patrick, how are we? Nick, I'm doing great, my man. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. I absolutely love your pod. And 60 episodes or not, I am just thrilled to be here. Nice one, Pat. Cheers for coming on. As always with guests, I get them to give themselves a plug. So, Pat, where can people find you on Twitter where, you know, you spread all your positivity, you do your match previews, your match reviews on the Chelsea men's and women's team. So where can people find you on Twitter to, to make sure they can check all that content out? Well, thank you for those kind words. Um, you you can find me um, at the handle at PTP underscore COYB. And like Nick said, I do previews, reviews. I like to try, try to cover all aspects of Chelsea when possible. I'm doing a, a little series right now called A Very Chelsea Thanksgiving. And what I'm what I'm doing is just trying to show thanks for different aspects of the club, whether it's favorite matches or favorite players or moments or aspects of the club. So I'm doing that right now throughout November and would love for you to check it out. Yeah, but say make sure you check Pat. He's one of the nicest, most positive guys on Chelsea Tour and Chelsea Tour at times can be a bit of a cesspit. So it is nice to see positivity shine through on the timeline. So yeah, make sure you check Pat out. His links will be in the description below. But right, Pat, it's been a good week for Chelsea. They secured progress in the Carabao Cup and they won 3-0 at Newcastle to extend our lead at the top of the Premier League. So we'll start off with the Carabao Cup. Uh, it was, I guess, a tale of how a Carabao Cup campaign has gone so far. We went 1-0 up, 
we conceded. We weren't brilliant. It was a bit disjointed. It was a bit of a mishmash of players. It went to penalties and Kepa Ariza Balaga was the hero yet again. But from what you saw of the Carabao Cup game, was there anyone, I guess, who stood out to you? And like, what would you say you saw, I guess, learned, if anything, from, from the Carabao Cup game? I would say the main thing that I learned is that I'm happy, though we didn't play our greatest game and it wasn't our best performance, the fact that we can still make as many changes as we did um, in the side uh, and still come out with a victory um, speaks a lot to the depth that we have in the side. And that's obviously, you know, come to the forefront a lot more recently because with a lot of the injuries that we've had. And if we're going to win anything, we're going to need every single player because we can't have you know, the first choice 11 starting every game and every competition every week. So though it wasn't the best performance, the best thing that I took out of it, I wouldn't say there's like a specific player that really stood out to me other than um, probably, probably the big one would be Reese James, who I'm sure we'll get into later, but uh, just, just um, netting the winner in the, in the penalty shootout. And the reason I say that is because, you know, it secured our progress. It changed the narrative from what, 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 what from what we would have been talking about otherwise and you know we want to win every competition that we're in we're Chelsea football club we win trophies that's what we do and just to secure that progress not playing our best while while Southampton played most of their um first choice 11 and that was um and, and that was that was good to see that even with our relatively second choice um 11 that we um were able to secure progress through yeah no I agree with that Kai Havertz, obviously, on the score sheet, that was nice. A Hakim Ziyech, uh, well-taken corner. And there was Kai Tedhem. He had a pretty good game. It was nice to see him, I guess, be a bit more involved in the side. He'd been perhaps, you know, a bit disappointing against Norwich, you know, in that 7-0 route. And it was nice to see him get some confidence, get a goal, kind of needed that for himself. That was nice. He said Kepa, after maybe, you know, a slight error for the Southampton goal, certainly redeemed himself some big, big saves towards the end of the game. The Southampton really probably should have gone on to win that game, but Kepa stood firm. Um, yeah, it was, you know, it was all right. Did players take their opportunities? Perhaps not necessarily. Was Malang Sar perhaps, you know, not quite at the level we'd have liked to see. Obviously, he had a, you know, a pretty strong showing against Brentford, you know, which was really encouraging for us in the league. But against, you know, Samson, perhaps not quite at his best. Trevor Chalabar was pretty excellent, though, again, I thought. Uh, Sal was encouraging. You know, we'd seen, that was definitely, I think, the best we'd seen of Sal so far. You know, could have scored a couple of goals. He looked nice and it was, yeah, it was, I guess, a decent, decent, you know, Dave Chelsea. Obviously, Mason Mount apparently has main character syndrome for daring to breathe while taking a penalty. Um, that was that was interesting. But yeah, it was, it is what it is. Uh, you know, Mason's miss didn't really matter because we won thanks to the heroics of Kepari's blog and Reese James slotting home a brilliant penalty to send us through to the quarterfinals where we've drawn Brentford in the Carabao Cup. Yeah, I can't, I'm a bit disappointed with that. I was happy we got a London away. I didn't want Brentford due to the small allocation. But Pat, I guess Brentford, you know, their form in recent weeks, maybe they're slightly being found out a tiny bit. Obviously, they got beaten 3-1 at Burnley yesterday. Their, their first choice keeper, David Rea, is out injured. Brentford in the cup, a challenge for us because we'll probably also rotate quite a bit and play a second string side. But perhaps not quite as daunting as it maybe would have been or would have looked even, you know, a week or two ago when we played them. I'd agree with that. Um, but I, still, though, um, I think we know what we're, we're going to get with Brentford. We've already, I think an advantage that we have is that we've already experienced Brentford away. And, you know, we, we know we have a better idea now of what they're going to bring. And I think 
Um, trusting in Tomas Tuchel, I think he'll make the, the necessary adjustments to um, to help us hopefully play better, certainly better than we did in the second half against Brentford. And um, you know, we know we know that they have you know Mbumo up up top, um, Ivan Tony, um, and so they've got some firepower that you know that they can throw forward. And I'm sure that they will play that they, that um, they will play their top side in that in that game because they you know they're not in a lot of other competitions so they'll they'll probably throw everything that they have at us and but i believe in tomas tuchel i think that he's going to be able to make as i said those necessary adjustments and yeah i think you're right about brentford being found out a little bit i was i was very surprised to see them lose 3-1 against burnley yesterday um you know burnley can always spark it you know spark a surprise but it's I really expected Brentford to go there and get a result yesterday. So I think you're right. I think they are being found out a little bit. And, you know, we've seen teams promoted get have fast starts before. We've seen like in Holloway's Blackpool back in the day. And we saw Phil Brown's whole city get off to a start. So, you know, who knows what's going to happen for the rest of the season. But, you know, fast starts have happened. But it's what you do over, you know, the course of 38 games in the league and, you know, to see what to see what really happens. So. It's going to be interesting to see what Brentford we get in the Carabao, you know, in the Carabao Cup. Yeah, no, exactly. It will be a good test for Chelsea. And as they, you know, the Carabao Cup now presents a really good realistic chance to silver. Obviously, Manchester, Manchester City knocked out on penalties. Liverpool, you know, we know Klopp doesn't really take that competition too seriously with some of the sides he puts out. So you could definitely argue that Chelsea are amongst the favourites for this competition. And while, you know, we could, while it is a, still a tough test in Brentford, we could also probably have, you know, potentially got a harder test as well. So I think Chelsea, you know, you know, it was a nice start to the week, you know, a nice, nice, I guess, way to keep up the momentum we built in October. And that leads us on very nicely to Newcastle. Um, Pat, you know, obviously, I guess the team news came out, no Mason Mount through illness. That was a bit disappointing for us. Uh, it meant Hakim Ziyech got a start up top. It was a front three of Ziyech, Callum Hudson-Odoi, and Kai Havertz. Um, I guess, you know, Ziyech got an opportunity. And while I think a lot of Chelsea Twitter obviously were, dis- you know, a bit disappointed and frustrated to see him start due to, I guess, the form he's been in. I actually didn't think Hakim Ziyech was bad at all. I don't think he was necessarily outstanding. But what I guess what were your thoughts on Hakim Ziyech's performance yesterday? Um, I thought he was okay. I didn't think he was, um, you know, I didn't think he was awful or anything, but I, I, I don't know. Like, for me, he's in there to make like the, you know, to make that killer pass with that left foot of his. And I, I just feel like a lot of times, I don't know if it's because of lack of chemistry or because he doesn't get a consistent run in the side, but I don't think he links up a lot, a lot of times well with our, you know, with our other front guys. And, you know, it's certainly not the Hakeem Ziyech that we've seen at, at Ajax, but yeah, I mean, I didn't think he was awful yesterday. I thought he was fine. Um, I, I think that, um, you know, I thought like the likes of Callum Hudson and Doy were a lot better. Um, but, um, you know, I'm not against Hakeem Ziyech getting, getting time. F- frankly, you know, most of our attack can't say that they've staked a claim up front, you know, like recently with inconsistent performances. So, you know, you can't argue that about him getting a chance when, when other people aren't taking their chances. So, um, yeah, I thought, I thought he was okay. Yeah. Obviously he had the disallowed goal for offside. Yeah. He was comfortably offside. It was very nice. Finish where he had a shot that you know deflect got deflected onto the post. I guess with Ziyech, look to be honest, as it, I he was frustrating. He was obviously subbed after you know around sixty minute mark again. You know, kind of an indication that it hadn't quite been his day. But at the same time, also thought 
out of a front three, particularly in, in that first 16, that he was probably one of the more threatening players. I think he was that one player who was trying stuff. He was playing those perhaps slightly riskier balls. And I think ultimately when you've got a player like Ziyech, when he takes those perhaps higher risk chances, when it doesn't come off, it's, n- it's never going to look great. And when you're being frustrated at nil-nil, it's also really not going to look great. So it was a tough one for Ziyech, but I certainly don't think he was as bad as perhaps many people kind of made him out to be. He was nowhere near great. Um, but he, I don't think it was there, like perhaps it wasn't anywhere near as a abysmal performance, however. Um, but on the other side was Callum Hudson Odoi. Again, I don't think he was outstanding. I don't think you know it was brilliant, Callum Hudson Odoi. I do think he was better than Hakim Ziyech. He obviously did carry more of a threat and he did, you know, play a part in our in our opening goal. Uh, but I'm not gonna, you know, go too big on Callum because I think he can certainly perform at a higher level. We saw, I think, against Norwich, he was really good. Uh, but it was, I guess, Pat, he got given a start. That's back-to-back Premier League starts for Callum Hudson-Odoi now in the Premier League. You know, quite a lot of people, you know, been crying out for him to just get the opportunities, you know, not been perhaps afforded the same opportunities as other have got. But it kind of feels like, again, at the moment, Callum Hudson-Odoi is taking that chance he's been given by Thomas Tuchel, doesn't it? It really does. And I, and I think the fact that he's finally given, being given a chance at left wing is, is really, really big to me because I... You know, it seems like whenever, especially at the beginning of the season, um, when he was getting started, it was at right wing back again, which, you know, he he can do a job there, but he's not, you know, he's not like Reese James out there or you know, even even Cesar Azpilicueta at times, um, you know, just because defense is not what he does best. And I mean, he'll work hard. He'll, you know, and he's put in the extra training to try to get better at it. And I give him a lot of credit for that. But I think, you know, obviously his best position is left wing. I wish we'd see more Callum Hudson-Odoi going at going at defenders. I think that's where he's at his best when he actually takes on defenders one-on-one and goes around them because he shows that he has the speed to get to the byline and can put across a good, you know, a, a good ball. And I think sometimes he's a little still tentative about doing that. He'll make like the he'll make the quick back pass or the quick side pass, and then it doesn't really come off. So that would be one thing I would love to see more of him is that I really think he's at his most dynamic when he, when he is willing to take on defenders, kind of like what Christian Pulisic does probably a little bit more often than Callum Hudson-Odoi does. And so I thought he was actually, you know, quite good yesterday. Um, you know, like I said, I wouldn't, I've probably said earlier on my Twitter that he was sensational. That might've been a bit of a strong, uh, you know, assessment at the time. I think I, a little bit of the joy of the win certainly had something to do with that, but um, I do think he was very good. And I think that certainly, you know, there's no one that can say that they they deserve that left wing spot over him at the moment. I think he's, you know, I think he deserves a couple more starts and give him a run and just see what he does. And if he doesn't take it, it's on him. Yeah, no, exactly. And you mentioned, you know, you want to see him taking on his man, getting to, to the line and putting across. And that's exactly how we scored our first goal. He takes his man on, puts in a great cross. It falls to Reese James. So I guess there is a bit of luck in how it falls to him. Yeah. But what a finish from Reese James. I mean, Pat, I mean, he's got two brilliant goals, but just a word, you know, that, that finish, because it was a time it was nil-nil. We were starting, we, I mean, we were dominating that game. We were in complete control of that game. But up till then, you know, I think the chances we created hadn't necessarily been, you know, really clear-cut chances. There had been quite a lot of shots from distance. And while we were all over Newcastle, Newcastle were, you know, fairly comfortable. But it falls, but, you know, the ball falls in the box. And there's Reese James. There he is in the box. You know, show, again, just testament to him, but that's where he is. And a brilliant finish into that top corner to put us one nil up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I said on my Twitter review yesterday, a match review. If you if you had any doubts that Reese James is world class, I said you need to put those doubts to bed because I 
I mean, you know, a world class, like anyone less than a world class player can't hit a left footed volley, which by the way is his weaker foot. Um, you know, can't put in a left footed volley that it wouldn't matter where the goalkeeper was. He's not stopping that. And then, you know, and then I know we'll get into it, but, you know, like to being able to say, how am I going to top that? And I don't know if it necessarily topped it, but how can I equal that? You know, let's do another, let's do a volley with the other foot. And um, it really came at really the perfect time because, you know, I don't know about you, but I was really, really frustrated after that first half. I think we played into Newcastle's hands. Graham Jones, his game plan was to sit back and just absorb the pressure and, you know, make it hard for make it hard to for us to find space. And that's exactly what happened. We played right into their hands. We were frustrated. We couldn't, like you said, we were taking shots from outside, which, you know, Newcastle would take all day long. And um, at, at halftime, it was going just how Graham Jones would have wanted it to go. And uh, the the goal by Reese James forced them to be a little bit more open if they wanted to try to get a result from the game. And, you know, then from there, we saw what happened in the second half. So really just that world, it, it was going to take a moment of of class to really open up that game. And Reese James provided exactly that. Yeah, exactly. And he was probably one of our main, you know, I mentioned Ziyech was probably one of our main attacking threats. But on that, Reese was also that in first, obviously, put that brilliant crossing boss, which Kai just somehow missed. And then Ziyech, you know, came to him and he just almost a bit stunned it, come to him and just fired over. But he was, you know, the heart of what was really good about us yesterday and say that was a brilliant finish, put us 1-0 up. And the second one wasn't bad either. Obviously, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who'd come onto the pitch, again, I thought, you know, another lively positive contribution for him, has a shot blocked. It was a bit of fortune, I guess, that Darlow is is on the floor. The Newcastle's defence are a bit sort of on foot. But I thought Therese James, and again, it's such a beautiful finish sort of on, the, on volley, half volley, with his right foot. And it puts us 2-0 up. And that is, you know, pretty much, that, at that point, you know, it's game over. We're safe. It's done and dusted. And then the third goal is actually, you know, a really nice pass. You know, Kai Havertz wins a penalty, but I actually think, you know, I didn't realise so often it was actually Ross Barkley, it was the substitute who had played that lovely, lovely through ball to him. Um, but Pat, you know, again, Kai was positive against Hampton midweek. You know, I thought against Newcastle, he put himself out, put himself about a lot more than we'd seen in recent weeks. Didn't actually get loads of ball, wasn't necessarily perhaps involved in the attack as much as he'd like, but then he still, you know, had that, you know, played that key role in winning the penalty for us to, you know, which Jorginho then coolly slot home for 3-0. Yeah, um, I think that Kai's movement, you know, obviously I think you make a really, really good point that I that I actually failed to mention um, about Barkley's pass. It was an exquisite pass. And, and Barkley's got that in him. It's just that we don't see enough of it. And um, I think it was an exquisite pass. And then the movement um, from Kai to, you know, to go on to that pass, he's the one that causes, that initiates that contact with Darlow. And of course, you know, it's clear as day, it's a stonewall penalty that um, Darlow catches his foot and, you know, Kai goes down, you know, I thought we were maybe going to see a, uh, a Kai going around the keeper again, you know, a la the champions league final, but uh, you know, he, he rightfully won the penalty. I mean, his, his foot got caught. And like you said, Jorginho with a, with a cool penalty, I mean, you know, coolly slotted home and, you know, officially game over after that yeah no exactly Jorginho coolly slotted home and all of a sudden what was looking like a you know frustrating afternoon at one point turned into a very comfortable 3-0 victory for Chelsea and Thomas Tuchel and yeah it was just I guess a really nice day if you have to say Jorginho was comfortable in the field Kante you know again it was just one of those where we it came to point we didn't need Kante on the pitch at 0-0 when we had all that ball and the substitute the substitution made perfect sense bringing on Ruben uh, get add a bit more dynamism, add a few more driving runs at them. And yeah, that helped a lot. And I just thought, you know, in general, that was just a really good, 
second half performance. While there's still obviously, you know, areas to improve, I don't think the attack is still clicking. You, I mean, you look at, I guess, you know, goals. I know it's easy to say Reese James, a defender. I mean, to be fair, he is, a, you know, the wingbacks are clearly a very important part of this attack for Chelsea, seeing the influence of him and, and Chile over recent weeks. But, you know, it, it was a nice win, a nice 3-0 win. It is kind of, you know, a win that perhaps in previous seasons Chelsea don't get. It just feels like this season Chelsea are being able to grind out these wins. It feels like, you know, in previous seasons, maybe even last year under Tuchel, that game ends 0-0. Just not, don't quite have, you know, that moment of brilliance or that cutting edge to get through. But it was really, really nice. It was a really good way to, for the weekend to start. And obviously, you know, United, um, not United, Liverpool threw away a two-goal lead at home to Brighton. That was nice. City lost at home to Crystal Palace. Conor Gallagher dagger late on to finish the job. Um, so it was a really positive weekend for Chelsea. They moved three points clear of Liverpool in the Premier League. Moved five points clear of Manchester City. So that felt big as well. And this October run, Pat, before I go on to questions, this October run that we've had on, you know, I remember you you did a stream, good, our good friend RJ on his channel, you know, and we talked about October and fixtures we had, basically saying, you know, Game, we've got to win them all. Well, we have. We've Chelsea have had the perfect October in the league. You know, four wins in the league: Southampton, Brentford, Norwich, Newcastle. You know, we've scored goals as well. That's fourteen goals scored in the four games. Only one conceded. Obviously, you know, Brentford is a bit also down to some brilliance of Eddie Mendy. But I guess just in general, this October has pretty much gone. You know, as good as we could really hope for. And while there's still, obviously, as we mentioned, still you know areas to improve. It's been nice as well that the goals are starting to come a bit more, even if it's not necessary from the players we would, you know, necessarily hope they would come from. Yeah, I think that's very well said. Um, you know, I think this is especially important as we enter the the busy Christmas period. You know, because obviously, you know, while we've got our full selection of players, you know, like you know, obviously with you know later on in the season with the you know with with Afcon coming up and you know you know Edward Mendy going there and. Um, I don't know what I don't know what Dietrich's situation is with with Morocco on that, but anyways, that's another story. I think it's just important that as we, before we enter the really really busy you know fixtures you know the, the period of the season that you know that Christmas period where it's just games every three days that we're that we're getting these wins now like we're keeping pace and we're setting the pace actually at the top of the table because you know that's when you can drop points isn't during that busy Christmas period and and when we have these games that we should win you said very well that these are games that we didn't win in previous seasons and even struggled, you know, last season under, you know, Tomas Tuchel at certain times with that. And, you know, the fact that we were able to go and, you know, get maximum points in October and we still have a, we still have a game or two in early November that we, you know, hopefully can do before we get to the likes of Leicester and Manchester United. Um, you know, it, it we're, we're doing exactly what we should do. And have we done our best? no, but that's that's encouraging because we've done it we've done it with the squad we've done it with the you know we've done it with all of our with, with all of our selection of players you know other clubs drop points against teams that they should have beaten and and we didn't and that makes me really excited and it gives me a lot of confidence that we can mount a title challenge you know pun intended uh for the for the entire season and um you know we just have to keep taking it one game at a time and you know uh keep putting in you know, just keep trying to improve and improving on the training ground every day. Yeah, yeah, no, very well said there. Uh, Chelsea have now made their second best ever defensive start to a Premier League season, season conceding just three goals in 10 games. They set the record themselves in 2004-05 under Jose Mourinho. And we know how that 
ended there. Uh, some other stats from Newcastle. Chelsea, 79% possession against Newcastle. is the highest the club have registered since August 2018. I've got a feeling that also was away at Newcastle under Sari as well. Uh, you know, we talked about, you know, the inf- impact of Reese James's goals. You know, his two goals yesterday means he's now scored four Premier League goals this season. He's now a top scorer in the Premier League. And from brilliant Adam Newson, Academy graduates have scored 32% of Chelsea's goals in all competitions this season. They continue to deliver. I mean, that's nearly a third of, you know, the goals. Uh, Reese James, Ben Chilwell and Trevor Chalabar. Reese James with four, Chile with three and Trevor Chalabar with two. Scored as many goal, Premier League goals this season combined in nine as the entire Spurs team. Um, so sorry, I read I, that. I was, I was actually just about to say that. That's that's a brilliant stat. Yeah, no, exactly. If you want to know how impactful our wingers, our wingbacks are, Reese James and Ben Chilwell have scored more goals this season, combined seven than Lionel Messi and Neymar have five. So if you want to know just how good Chelsea's wingbacks are to this team, is very good. Obviously, I know some of those stats are slightly less serious than others. But Pat, we talked, you know, sort of going back to you know about the academy, and it seems. You know, it's an obvious one to go down, but that's Reese James scoring four goals now this season. You know, last season he only scored one Premier League goal. The season before he didn't score in Premier League, so it, that's a clear, you know, evolution in his game. The fact that he's getting into the score sheet, he's getting into dangerous positions. It's just, I guess, a word for Cobham. You know, that you've got. I mean, you know, people get Andreas Christensen starting yesterday again, another clean sheet for him. I don't know what the stats are for him, but they're pretty, pretty insane. In fact, you know, we Trevor Chalabar was, you know, rested yesterday or benched. Again, just shows the strength and depth, how he's easily come into this team. Ruben Loftus-Cheek again off the bench for Remontada for him. Um, you know, we said no mace now, but Callum Hudson doing that left wing spot as well. We just, I guess we're just showing. Uh, I mean, it's easy to say it's not just at Chelsea as well. We see Conor Gallagher out on loan yesterday at Palace, tearing up Tino Livermento, who unfortunately we have sold to Sam Timbal, where is a buyback. So fingers yep. crossed. But another clean sheet for him. We just, I guess we're just showing, seeing, you know, at the moment, just the brilliance of Cobham. Absolutely. And... Um, it's just been a conveyor belt, right? So, like you said, uh, you know, you've got Reese James, Calum Hudson Adoy, Mason Mount, um, Trevor Chalaba. I mean, Ru- Ruben Loftus Cheek. I mean, you can go on and on. And it's, you know, name another academy that at the moment is doing what what Cobham is doing, you know, or La or La Cobham is like we like to say on Twitter. Um, it's it's just been phenomenal and they're not just guys that are getting chances because they're they're youth they're earning their chances and uh you know another name is you know you know armando brogia you know out at out at southampton and he's you know another guy that you know is forcing us to take a look and you know we have guys that we have options for for you know what would be expensive signings otherwise that we can integrate into the side in future years whether that's a buyback a buyback clause whether that's guys that we have out on loan that we can bring back like, I, I don't know about you, but I didn't expect Trevor Chalaba, you know, to come back and be part of the side like he was. I mean, we, you know, we were talking about signings like Jules Koundé, who, you know, might still happen in the, you know, in, in a future transfer window. Um, but the fact that Trevor Chalaba has, you know, forced the manager and the team to put him in their plans because he's, he's played so well. Like Connor Gallagher has not had a, a bad loan yet. I mean, he's been productive wherever he's been. And uh, it's just good to see that it, it goes to show the quality of what Neil Bath and the staff at Cobham are doing and that we're, we're not only producing good players that have potential, they're actually, you know, living up to that potential. And I think it's just really special with what's going on at the Academy. I think that, I think there's more that could be coming down the line. I mean, you know, Levi Caldwell is a guy, is, is a name that comes to mind. He's doing a, a phenomenal job at, you know, at Huddersfield and, 
you know, I mean, there's, there's not a lot of names I could go into, but there, you know, it's just really exciting to see that it's not just like one class. It's like, it, it seems to be class after class and, um, you know, are they all going to make it, uh, you know, who knows, but the fact that we have options like that and there's the potential for that, it's just really exciting after we've already seen, you know, the Academy graduates that we already have in our first team. So I, I think the, I think that, you know, we have a great future as a result of that academy, and we really credit to Roman Abramovich for investing in the academy. I think that we're starting to bear, you know, that's we're starting to, you know, bear, that's starting to bear fruit, and um, you know, we've got we've kind of got a conveyor belt of talent coming through, and you know, currently, and then in the years to come. Yeah, no, very, very well said there, Pat. It is an exciting time at Chelsea. A lot of promising academy players in and around the side, and Chelsea, you know, look like they can be building a side. You know, for years coming, we just reached James, you know, seven games this season, four goals, two assists, 61.5 minutes per goal assist this season. You know, I mean, I say just another clear sign of, of the evolution of, of Reese James. It is very, very exciting times at Chelsea Football Club. Right. Going to move on to our listener questions. Look forward to getting into these. And the first one of two that comes in from RJ is looking ahead to the Malmo game asking what changes you would look to make for Malmo. So what I'll do with a question like this is I'll get us to go through the team we would pick to play Malmo in the Champions League. Obviously, we're not fully aware yet who will be fit and who won't be. Mason Mount missed the game yesterday due to illness. We don't necessarily know if he will be back for that yet, but we, you know, we'll just get to that as it comes. So I guess, Pat, in goal, obvious answer, Eddie Mendy continues in goal in the Champions League. It's still a, a must-win game for Chelsea, you know, because we still want to top that Champions League group. So, Eddie Mendy in goal. Eddie Mendy in goal. Uh, right wing back, I'm guessing we're sticking with Reese James. Right wing back makes sense too. Yep. It, it right centre back, this is interesting. Do we bring Cesar Azpilicueta back in? He missed out. Do we bring Trevor Chalabar in for his first Champions League start? Or do we, you know, because I'd imagine, this is where we should, I'd imagine Thiago Silva perhaps doesn't start this game. He's played a few games recently. So, I'd imagine we put Andreas Christensen in the middle. So, we, on your right side centre back, would you go Cesar Azpilicueta or Trevor Chalabar? Uh, you know, I would have no problem if Trevor Chalba did play there, but I'm going for the experience. And, you know, Tomas Tuchel likes playing as captain whenever possible. And so, especially in Champions League games. So I'm going to go for, for, for Aspi at uh, right centre back. Nice one. Right. Antonio Rudiger is kind of a nailed on left centre back, it seems at the moment. Left wing back. This is an interesting one. You know, Ben Chilwell, there's a, you know, he's been in good form recently, he has played a bit recently. Would you start him against Malmo or do we perhaps say, Marcus Alonso, here you go, here's a chance? Because although Alonso did play in the Carabao Cup and did captain us, I failed to mention that earlier, Marcus Alonso, shout out to Travis, he'll be very happy about Started, he captained us in the Carabao Cup tie. So, would, is, you know, would you start Alonso or would you start Chilwell and say, if the game's done, we can bring Alonso on later? Um. You know, I, I, I'm going to go with like what I think Tomas Tuchel would do here. I, I think we'll see Alonso. Only because I think it's uh, because it, because it is Malmo, you know. No disrespect to them, but like I, you know, if it was Juventus, I think we might see a Chilwell. But I think I, I think because it's Malmo, I think we might see Marcus Alonso starting at left wing back. All right, Ben. All right, going into. I think I prefer Ben. I, I, to be clear, I think I prefer Ben personally, but I think we'll probably see Alonso. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I'm fine with that. Uh, midfield two, this is interesting. Obviously, Kovacic is out for a few weeks. That is unfortunate about Thomas Tuchel Dagger that he just dropped in at the end of the press conference uh, before the Newcastle game. So he's out. Um, Jorginho, I'm guessing, will then will have starting in this team. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then who would you have alongside? Do we start and go to Canty County? He did only play for 60 minutes against against Newcastle. Or is that potentially an opportunity for a Saul to start or, or a Ruben Loftus-Cheek? Or are you saying start with Kante, Jorginho and Kante almost again, just try and get the job done and then take him off? I, I'd, I'd go Kante, uh, you know, try to get the job done and then bring on Ruben again to kind of make the impact that he can make. Because, uh, you know, I, I, I firmly believe at this point that, you know, that Ruben is probably the fourth choice center, central midfielder based on form. So uh, bring him on to bring a different dynamic on. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, I, I'd start Conte. Okie doke. And front three, I'm guessing, you know, is, do we start the same as yesterday? Or if Mason Mount is available, would you bring him in for one of Ziyech or Callum Hudson-Doy? Because obviously, presume Kai Havertz starts up top. You know, I I never I always love seeing Mount play, but just to just to make sure that he's fully recovered for the for the league, um, I think we could afford to do without him. I think you could bring him on as a sub if the if the situation called for it. But I but I would keep Mace on the bench, and then I would keep Calum Hudson Adoy, you know, out of, out of the left wing. Um, I'd keep Kai Havertz up top, and then uh, right wing, like right the right side. Because mm. yeah, Pulis obviously I think Tuchel was saying Pulis was hopeful for Burnley, so therefore is he perhaps hopeful for sort of some involve, involvement in Malmo? I guess we'll have to see. We're not quite sure on Pulisic, but is there you know would you say maybe just give Ziyech another start, just see if he can try and, and build on some some yeah. positive signs against Newcastle? Yeah, I mean it's Malmo. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, um, and so you know. That that's kind of game where I had to say I had to use the word experiment, but I, I think I think making some changes like that just to keep everyone fit for for the weekend against Burnley, I think that would be I'd I'd be okay with Ziyech. All right, then. So our team for that RJ Eddie Mendy in goal, back three of Cesar Plaqueta, Andreas Crutzen, and Tony Rudiger, wing backs uh, Reese James and Marcus Alonso, midfield two of Kante, Jorginho, and front three of Callum Hudson Doy, Kai Havertz, and Hakim Ziyech. Uh, Second part of RJ's question, how did you rate Callum V. Ziyech on this performance? So I guess comparing the two performances, we kind of, I guess, briefly touched on it at the start. As you kind of mentioned, I think Callum was perhaps the more impressive one and did stake more of a claim. But I guess, did you know, Pat, there were some, you know, it was still, you know, some good signs from both, but also neither, you know, won't necessarily put one huge step forward to say this is definitely my spot but they were both some you know encouraging performances with Callum you know perhaps slightly more encouraging than Ziyech yeah um I think the, I think that you put it really well and it's really you know football is a game of moments like I mean I'd, I'd probably have a much different assessment of Ziyech if that if that um if that goal would have stood because that was obviously a great strike. So maybe I'm being a bit unfair to Ziyech with his performance because that really was a great strike. And Ziyech is a player that you had to expect, you know, you have him in there for those individual moments of quality. That's, I mean, the man has ridiculous talent as a footballer. I don't think you ever lose that. Um, And Callum, you know, Callum has not made that position his own yet. I mean, Tomas Tuchel said it himself. He, He doesn't need to see one good performance from Callum. He needs to see, like a long string of performances from Callum. But in order for him to do that, he has to be given the opportunity. So of the two yesterday, based on how it all played out, I still would say that Callum had the better performance. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, linking to Callum, Connor Cast, another great performance from Hudson Doy. Is he an automatic starter right now on that left wing for now at least? Yes. Yeah. With injuries we've for, got. 
yeah, for, for me, yes. Until Christian Pulisic puts in a performance that where he where where he grabs it, which you know, even when Christian's played, I don't think he's you know grabbed that with both hands. I mean, he's been inconsistent as well when he's played. Um, and then obviously the injury concerns with Christian still still linger. And so yeah, of all the I think right now I think Callum is the is the first choice starter out there personally. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, I agree that Callum Hustoy deserves the opportunities while he can get them and while there are players out of the team in the say I don't think he's put really a foot wrong at that point. I don't think he's necessarily had a real, real outstanding, outstanding like, you know, performance, maybe aside from from Norwich. But I think yeah. whenever he's played there this season on the left wing, he obviously played against Hampton in the league. He was really good. You know, had that assist. I keep going back to that assist for Werner yeah. disallowed because VAR decided to go back, you know, to the 20th century to, to find something wrong with it. Perhaps even further, you know, he was good against Malmo, got the assist for Kai, good against Norwich with the goal and, you know, he set up the own goal. You know, was, you know, good again yesterday. He had the important part to play in the first goal. And he's just, yeah. Early days, we can't, don't want to get too ahead of ourselves because we know what he is capable of. But it feels like he, this is hopefully a key period from where he started, you know, just to set himself into this team. Uh, next question from Dan Hill. We kind of touched on it briefly earlier again. It was no, no, it was notable how we struggled to break down Newcastle. In the end, was it a case of superior quality telling or just a case of taking our chances when we got them? How can this help us against future low blocks? Also, how good is Reese? We have touched on Reese James. He is very, very good at football. Yes, he is very good at football. But how, when we talk about, you know, was it, you know, a case of superior quality telling or, you know, I guess, was it more just a case of, you know, taking that chance when we got it? Because, you know, the best chance we got, Reese James in the box, great finish. I think it's a little bit of both. Um, the reason I say that is because I think that, you know, I mentioned earlier, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but, you know, at halftime, Tomas Tuchel made a tactical, you know, a, a tactical move to kind of have Reese James more in an, in an advanced position, um, you know, and, and um, you know, you could see Reese James getting a lot more forward in the second half than you did in the first half, or at least I thought so. And um, so, yeah, I think it was a moment of, I, I think it's probably, if I had to choose more like taking our chance when we had it. I mean, I think we were, there's no doubt we were superior. I think we're no doubt we were the superior side. Just look at the possession. Um, you know, Newcastle knew they couldn't press against us because we would have, we would card them wide open. But um, I think it was a matter of taking that chance when we got it, because before that they were, they were happy just to sit in the box. And I think they would have been more than happy with a point. Uh, and maybe if they could, if they could nick one on the, um, you know, on the counter, then so far, the, so much the better for them. But they didn't show any attacking ambition to me, you know, with the exception of one or two chances, maybe um, through, through St. Maximan and, uh, you know, um, one, what playing, playing off of Callum Wilson, I believe. And then, you know, they, they, they got a couple chances here and there, but I think it was more so the, the chance that we took that forced them to be a little bit more open to try to get a result. And then we, finish them off from there yeah no nah, exactly it was you know as i said we, we were in complete control of a game and i didn't didn't really see us ever losing that game it was just a question of could we break them down and we did and once we did it it was very comfortable for me in terms of how it can help us against future low blocks uh it's it's, it's an interesting one because you know I, I said i don't think we necessarily created you know really brilliant chances in that game obviously you know I say both of reese's goals well, it were absolutely brilliant finishes. I do think there was a bit of luck involved in terms of how the ball fell to him, you know, the position he found himself in. But then also that is also a huge credit to him for getting himself a lot more further up the pitch in that second half and getting himself involved in the play more. So maybe it isn't necessarily as lucky as I'm making out to be, but I just think 
yeah, Newcastle is is a tough game as well. It's St James's Park as well, which we do in traditionally have a horrendous record at. Although it is nice now, we've won there three of the last four seasons. Um, but yeah, it's in terms of future against low blocks, it's tough because I guess no, all games will be different. I know it's a low block, but all games will be different. There will be times where we don't play as well, times where we play really well. Um, but it was just nice, and I think it is. I say I'm going to bring you know. Bring on about it. Our wing backs are becoming evidently so crucial to this team and the way we want to play under Thomas Tuchel. Uh, there's a, a brilliant thread that I'll link in the description of this. But I saw you know talking about the, the tweets he sort of made after those couple of defeats we had against Juve and C. But you've basically just got the the fullbacks sort of playing almost the wing backs. So you're almost playing like you know extra midfielders. You've got actually your 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 wide players here in. Um, say so if we look back at the the Norwich game, sort of had Hudson Odoi and Matt sort of more actually hugging the touchline a bit more, and you allowed Chua and Reese to sort of play inside and almost be sort of those bombing extra midfielders in there, which was really nice. But say the thread I will link in in um in the description below. But yeah, I think it's just in general, like in terms of how we can help in few chats, it's simple. Our wing backs at the moment with the form they're in as well and the technique they've got, they've just got to become really, really crucial for this team. And again. Linking back to that brilliant Liverpool side of 1920, the impact Andy Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold had in terms of the goals they got, in terms of the assists they got to that team. And while perhaps that Liverpool team in 1920 isn't quite as reliant on out on their wingbacks as we are currently, their wingbacks still had an absolute huge role to play in their team. So I think the wingbacks simply put have a huge role to play in this team. And it's no disrespect to as Cesar Azpilicueta or Marcus Alonso. They're both, you know, brilliant players. Cesar Azpilicueta is just a man mountain at Chelsea. He's a legend. But I think it just do, does show how much better we look when we have Reese James and Ben Chilwell as our wingbacks ahead of those two. Um, and the final question comes in from Sharman. I don't know if your answer, you might have actually included your answer, I guess, this, you know, inadvertently early, Papa. What did you think was the decisive moment in this match barring that first goal? Was it, you know, the decision... To just for Reese to play a lot higher in that second half, just get in the box more. Because they said for that first goal, he is he is in you know a really good position. He's just sort of outside sort of penalty area. Yeah, I would say that too. And I'm sure someone can put it a lot more eloquently than I can. But um, I do think it was a tactical shift by Tuchel to kind of you know include the wingbacks more, which he always does. But I felt like we were a little bit, you know, I didn't see as our, our wingbacks being as influential in the first half as I thought they were in the second half. Um, and I think they were getting a little bit more forward and, you know, getting into the box more. And Nick, I think you said it as well, you know, much better than I ever could in terms of, you know, the influence of the, of the wingbacks. Um, you know, I've seen several examples, like um, when we're, when we're in the attack, both Ben Chilwell and Marcus Alonso, when they've played, I, I've seen them ending up almost in the center right of the, of the pitch rather than at left wing back. And you're like, is that our left wing back that's, you know, that's, that's almost like in, in the right center part of the pitch trying to make something happen offensively. And that's, you know, and that just goes to show that, you know, there, I, I can only imagine that, you know, in training, Thomas Tuchel is demanding of them to participate in the attack. Obviously, you know, they have to get back and help, um, you know, our, our three center backs, but I also think it speaks to the quality of our, of our center backs that our, our wing backs have such a free role. Like, you know, on the, you know, on the, on the, on the left side, we've got, um, we've got Antonio Rudiger, you know, who just mops up everything we have, you know, either Cesar um, or, you know, Andreas or someone on that, at the right center back spot that mops up everything, Treva, um, you know, they've just been that good. And I think we've, I don't want to say we've taken that for granted, but I think we're, we've shown respect to the quality that we have on those, 
you know, in those three center back positions that even when maybe we might get caught out on a, on the counter a couple of times that our, our center backs have obviously by virtue of not conceding from open play that this season um, that we, you know, that we have, you know, despite what Paul Scholes might try to say, I think we have, you know, I think we have the best defense in the league, if not the world. Yeah. Our defense is very, very good. We don't give up many chances. So I don't think Mendy had a, you know, a save to make. I think about the 84th minute yesterday, which was a very weak shot on target. As we said against Norwich, he didn't have, he had one save to make, which was just literally from, I think, a Chilwell slight under hit back pass. And then he dealt with that comfortably. And against Malmo, he didn't have much to do. And I think Thomas Duke actually said sort of in his press conference earlier, but, you know, the defense, I don't think, you know, he wasn't as happy with defense, despite we've only conceded three goals, but, you know, we actually had, you know, Mendy had been a bit too busy for us this season. But even so, I think just like ever since all Brentford, I do think I've been, and maybe it is just down to opponent, but I think that we have just in general been given up less chances in the league game since, I mean, albeit is only, you know, only Norwich and Newcastle, both sides who aren't great, both sides who, you know, could Norwich certainly will get relegated. My prediction of them staying up just looks worse and worse all the time. But Newcastle as well. But it is, yeah, just really encouraging signs that our defence is, is really solid. And we, as I say, we are starting to, to score goals. And while we would like our attackers to get, you know, better better numbers, we've also just got, also, I said, mentioned earlier, that our wing-backs, while they are defenders, they're a huge part of our attack and they're getting goals. And, you know, Reese James and Ben Chilwell are, in, you know, just in form of their lives at the moment, which is just really, really great to see. And it's just, again, more of a, you know, it's like development again, the goals that they're scoring this season. I mean, you know, as I said, uh, earlier, Reese has scored more goals than he'd scored in his previous two seasons for Chelsea combined. And Chile this season scored, you know, more goals than he had probably already equaled or similar to last season's goal tally as well. So just the improvement in those players' games as well, as well as seeing the likes of, you know, Thiago Silva again, brilliant yesterday. Again, just that's what he is. Again, we've seen, you know, Trev Chalabar didn't play yesterday, but again, we know how he's just seamlessly slotted into this team. Rudiger's been brilliant again. Yes, they had his lovely annual shot when Miles over the bar. So nice for him to keep keep that up. Um, but it's just been really nice. It's just really good. And say Andreas Christensen came in after missing out uh, for a, a couple of games. So yeah, it's just been really nice to see. And we've got so much quality in that defense as well, which which is great to see. And you know, it's just yeah, really really exciting for Chelsea at the moment. And say the fixtures, you know, we've got through October. It's been a perfect October for Chelsea progress in the competition Champions League campaign got back on track and yeah it's just looking looking all good at the moment but that's going to wrap up this week's episode of that Chelsea podcast before we go I want to thank our guest Pat for coming on so Pat before you go give yourself one last plug where people can find you on Twitter etc well Nick thank you again for coming on it's an absolute honor to be you know to be on that Chelsea pod and um, that Chelsea podcast excuse me and um, really really enjoyed our, our conversation if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at PTP underscore COYB. And, you know, it's for me, it's about positivity and uh, you're talking Chelsea. And so if you want to interact and just talk Chelsea and have good discussions with people, um, I'd love to I'd love to interact with you on there. Yeah. And say, so make sure you follow Pat on Twitter. He is one of the nicest guys out there on Chelsea Twitter. He is, yeah, a diamond. So make sure you follow him. Always brilliant work. His previews, his reviews, etc. Uh, as for us, we're on Twitter at that Chelsea Pod. We're on Instagram at that Chelsea Pod. When I tweet the pod out, any likes, retweets always go a long way. Help it get spread to other people's timelines. We're on all your usual podcast platform provides. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and a review. It goes a long way. And usually, I finish the show 
with let's keep the blue flag flying high but since i've got pat, pat on it feels only right but i let him finish the show off so pat why don't you take take it away and lead us out guys thank you for listening to that chelsea podcast and come on you blues last stuff pat see you next week everybody sports social podcast network Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.